This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Well, hello there and welcome into Seattle Sports at Night. I am Curtis Rogers, joined tonight by the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Jake, how you doing tonight? I'm man? doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. I, I say that because this time of year, and it gets said a lot this time of year, but I'm going to say it as well because I think that's just something we got to do as, as broadcasters is hit all those checkpoints that everybody everybody does. That's right. Is This time of year is an incredible point of the calendar. You've got March Madness about to get into full bloom. Mariners baseball is just a week away from getting underway in Tokyo NFL free agency is hotter than ever. And then, I mean, you've got just all sorts of other things going on. Basketball, the NBA, their playoffs are coming up soon. There is so much to get to tonight that I feel like we might not even be able to get to it all. Like, that's how much is going on. You're probably right, and that's the unfortunate thing because there are a lot of great topics that we are about to dive into, and there's so many uh, great Great things that happened today, especially for the Seahawks. Uh, and, uh, man, I, I can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, speaking of uh, great things that happened to the Seahawks, uh, K.J. Wright, he signed his – in fact, why, why don't we just get Boom! into it? Check out what is on the timeline here on this Thursday. But so many moves made by the Seahawks within the last 24 hours or so. Maybe the biggest being K.J. Wright. He has chosen to re-sign with the Seahawks for two years, $15.5 million dollars. Just a huge, not an addition to the linebacker group, but it, it's great to have that continuity, and it's great to have a familiar face like K.J. Wright back in the fold. Curtis, I cannot tell you how excited I was to get K.J. Wright back. Uh, when we signed Michael Kendricks uh, yesterday morning, I was excited about that, but I also was really sad. It was like a bittersweet feeling because, to me, that felt like, all right, this is K.J. Wright's time. He's now going to go off into free agency and sign with another team. I wake up this morning. I see that K.J. Wright is signed back. I freak out, pumped up. My wife's like, what the heck's going on? This is too early to be fired <laughs> up like this. But you know what? Excited to have K.J. He has been a huge stabilizing. He's been a stabilizing factor on this team for a long time. And playing next to Bobby Wagner, those two have been the best uh, linebacking crew, uh, dynamic uh, in the NFL so far uh, since they've been playing together. And to keep those guys together is, is huge for this team. And that will linebacker position, Curtis, is more of a value to this team, this particular defense, than many realize. And KJ's been a huge part of that. Absolutely. Uh, just an, an incredible guy to have in any kind of organization. The Seahawks have been lucky to have him here since 2011. He'll be here for the foreseeable future. Oh, by the way, he's going to join us live at 7.30 tonight. You do not want to miss that, K.J. Wright. He'll be joining us on the Venue Kings hotline that's coming up in about 25 minutes. So stick tight. We'll get there. Uh, Also today, the Seahawks re-signing D.J. Fluker to a two-year deal. They've also signed guard Mike Yapati to a one-year contract. Let's go. The offensive line picture is starting to take shape. There was a lot of disappointment when J.R. Sweezy chose to leave and go to Arizona, but for what the Seahawks are getting Mike Yapati for, yeah. I don't think it's as bad as 
I think, as bad as people want to make it seem. Yeah, I, here's the deal. is J.R. Sweezy, when he came back, he showed the value that he brought to this offensive line, the physical nature that he brought back to this offensive line, the nastiness. Uh, DJ Fluker was more of the loud guy that everybody kind of heard and felt. J.R. Sweezy was the guy that just picked up his lunch pail and went to work and got after people and had a Pro Bowl alternate type of year. And I was hopeful that J.R., because of the age more so than anything else, was going to be able to be retained on a cheaper deal. But his market ended up being a lot bigger than I anticipated. Goes to our divisional rival with the Cardinals, which you don't want to see. Then we sign Upati, who's a guy who has played at an extremely high level at different points in his career. And unfortunately for him, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy since 2012, which isn't exciting, which isn't great. But I've heard reports that Upati is he's saying that he is feeling in much better physical condition than he has since 2012. So to me, that's encouraging. And the one factor that I do trust is that, remember, the guy that was standing on the table for DJ Fluker was Mike Solari because he coached him in New York. And I believe that Mike Solari did the same thing with Upati. So in Solari, we trust in this situation. Yeah, Solari was the offensive line coach for the 49ers during their most successful years. And Mike Upati was there blocking for Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Uh, like you said, Upati hasn't had a fully healthy season since 2012. But pro football focus still very favorable in his run blocking grades. Uh, I believe he was a top 10 offensive lineman when it came to run blocking when he was healthy uh, this last season. But last two years, he's ended it on injured reserve. If you're the Seahawks, if you can get, I think, if you can get, I want to say, 26 combined games out of Fluker and Yapati this season, yeah. I think that is an incredible victory uh, for the offensive line. But as we see, as we saw a little bit last year, the depth that the Seahawks have at offensive line, actually not that bad. Well, they re-signed Jordan Simmons, right? And so you're hopeful that he can stay healthy and that he can be that nice depth piece if anything was to happen with Fluker or with Upati. Just hopeful that it's not, if anything happens, that it's not both at the same time like it happened with Jared Sweezy and Fluker at the end of the year last year. Mariners, they are officially on their way to Tokyo for next week's season opener. They're in the air right now. Uh, so we can say whatever we want about them, right? That's they, right. They, they can't hear us. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, they, maybe they're streaming it on the 710 Sports Of course app. they are. Why wouldn't they? Exactly. But today, though, the biggest news coming from the Mariners. Uh, first, their travel roster has been set. 30 guys are taking over to Japan. 28 players will be eligible for their two-game series against the A's. But one of those guys who did not make the trip is starting third baseman Kyle Seeger, uh, who had surgery on his left hand, and uh, the prognosis in his recovery, not ideal. Jerry DePoto today said Seeger is expected to miss 10 to 12 weeks following surgery on his left hand, making his return sometime in late May or early June. If the Mariners were in a position to contend this year, this would be a devastating blow of an injury. Absolutely. This would be something that... You look at and say, oh, well, I mean, the Mariners are starting in a huge hole here. 2019, not expected to be a contending year for the Mariners. You wish or you hope and wish that Seeger can get back healthy and get back to a level close to what his peak was a couple of seasons ago when he hit 30 home runs, drove in 99 RBIs. Uh, but right now, the Mariners just kind of hoping and praying for Kyle Seeger to just get healthy first. 
and then hopefully that production can get there. And it's disappointing, too, because it looked like he was making strides this offseason and also in spring. Right. Came back, came to camp, trimmed down, came to camp hitting balls the other way, something he hasn't really ever done in his career. But unfortunately, uh, just a couple nights ago, getting that ball off of his left hand uh, against the Cubs in Peoria, and that will spell doom for the first couple months of his season. Yeah, it, it, it is disappointing. And I, and anytime you're you're a player from a player's perspective, a guy that has worked his tail off in the offseason to change things, to get things right, uh, and have that chance to kind of revitalize his career, whether it's with the Mariners or somewhere else, you wish them the best, right? And it looked like Seager was putting that together. Getting hurt like this is not ideal at all, and hopefully it's something where he can stay on his timetable. It's not something that lingers on further. But I'm excited, Curtis, to see how this pans out in Japan, how many guys, how many younger players that have made this roster are able to play a little bit, uh, what we can get out of them. And, and here, I'm a sucker for this, but I want to see Ichiro in Japan okay. and what that ceremony is like. I think that will be an extremely cool thing. Uh, not many people have had that experience from being a player in Japan, going to the MLB, coming back to Japan. I mean, it's a unique one, and so it's one to be, uh, it's one to make sure that you're watching and, and remember. I'm cool with Ichiro making the trip. I won't be cool if he comes back and he's still on the Mariners opening he won't, day roster. He won't, Curtis. I, I, Come on. You I, really I, think that'll happen? I mean, crazier things have happened. Ah. Crazier things have happened. Well, Speaking of. I'd be there. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, speaking of crazy things happening, the Pac-12 basketball tournament going on in Las Vegas. Huskies narrowly avoiding a first-round upset, or a second-round upset, upset, I should say, uh, surviving USC 78-75. The Trojans had an opportunity to tie it at the end of it, but uh, Nick Wachosevich threw it out of bounds on a pass, and USC was unable to get any sort of opportunity at a tying bucket. Uh, Huskies will play Colorado tomorrow in the semifinals with an opportunity to advance to the Pac-12 title game. We'll talk about the Huskies coming up later tonight. If they've done enough to advance to the NCAA tournament and then on the other side of the Palouse, uh, news today coming from CBS Sports, Ernie Kent has been fired as head coach at Washington State. That is according to CBS. Uh, I don't think it could have come soon enough. Uh, for I, yeah, I, firing. even as bad as this whole thing went, I was still surprised to see Ernie can't get fired just because of the contract that he was on. Sometimes those universities, they bite the bullet, dive for another season and, and try and hope that they can turn it around when they got these big contracts. But I'm glad that the Cougs decided to move on because it was much needed. Yeah, they had him at that $1.4 million and it was continually rolling over to where it was about a three or four year deal. Uh, they decided not to re-up the rollover last year. So Kent is due $1.4 million over the next three seasons, which equates to about 4.2 through the year 2022. Should be interesting to see who the Cougs get in there as their head coach. I feel like it's going to come from a mid-major program. I don't see anybody coming from one of the Power 5 schools over to Washington State, unless it's an assistant from one of the Power 5 schools. How about this, though? I was chewing on this idea. Lorenzo Romar. Yeah. Would he be an option in the Palouse? Uh, I mean, in he, Pullman? I don't know. I would. Would Romar like to live in the Palouse? I don't know if that's his kind of. I don't know if that's his vibe. Well, and I mean, he's coaching at Pepperdine right now, which is in Malibu. Yeah, going from Malibu to Pullman, you go from the Malibu of California to the Malibu of Washington. Right? Yeah, that's what they call Pullman. That's right. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't experienced that side of it. Uh, it's. I mean, 
maybe it's a little bit different in the summer, but what I've experienced in the winter is a little <laughs> different. Uh, I, I think Romar is going to stay tight at Pepperdine until he gets the right situation to move on up. Uh, and I don't think that's the Cougs for him. All right. Well, and then also in college basketball tonight, Zion Williamson making his return to Duke's lineup he, and also doing it in a different Nike shoe. That's important. Exactly. It was the Paul George 2 that exploded on him and well, no, uh, no kept wonder. him out for a couple weeks. Yeah. No wonder, Curtis. So what is he rocking now? He's rocking the Kyrie 4s. There you go. Uh, so, Which are widely regarded as a very comfortable shoe. So uh, Zion and Duke taking on Syracuse tonight in the ACC tournament. But coming up next, K.J. Wright, he's back with the Seahawks. So what does his signing mean for the Seahawks? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Eaps, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright will be joining myself and Jake Heaps right here on Seattle Sports at Night. You do not want to miss that. Uh, about 15 minutes from now. Hey, 710 ESPN Seattle is proud to partner with Coaching Boys Into Men, an organization devoted to empowering coaches to teach the value of respect, integrity, and leadership to bring an end to violence against women. For more information and to get involved, text COACH to 710-710. Uh, Jake and I will actually be going a little further into that about an hour from now at 8.15. Uh, stick around for that. Uh, but yeah, KJ Wright, 15 minutes from now. And speaking of KJ Wright, he's back with the Seahawks. So what does this signing mean for the Seahawks? What does it mean for their defense? What does it mean for players hoping to get that third contract? What does it mean for veterans in this organization, guys uh, who have been here for a while? We've seen it over the last couple of seasons where the Seahawks have been all right letting go guys who are entering their 30s or entering into that third contract phase when KJ gets this deal done, which it is done, it's a done deal, Jake, when you see it get done, what does this signing to you signal about where the Seahawks are yeah. with KJ? Well, I think it's a guy that they wanted to have back. Uh, there's no question about the value of which they put KJ right. They were just simply in a situation where they were not going to overextend themselves. And unfortunately for KJ and some of these other guys, that they've been burned already by guys in their third contracts and uh, in, in terms of health and also just culturally um, kind of falling apart. And so KJ doesn't fall under that, that second category, but he was injury-ridden all last year. And that's the hard part is, is that his value on the field is extremely high, but every player in the NFL, their motto is availability is your best ability. And unfortunately for KJ, that wasn't the case uh, last year. So simply he went into the market and it just seemed like there were other guys that were getting bigger contracts because of their health. Not necessarily they were better in talent than KJ. And it went into a position where, okay, I don't know. We, we, we don't know if KJ had a higher offer to go play somewhere else. Um, but it was in a position where it was close enough where he decided Seattle was the place for him. Yeah, you and, bring up uh, KJ's injury history over the last couple of seasons. He had Regenekine treatment on his knee in 2017, and then that same knee kept him out of 11 games in 2018. 
How much did his recent injury history, you think, factor into how his market developed? I think it's the only reason why he's still a Seahawk, honestly. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I wish that we could say that you know the Seahawks would have matched top dollar in the market. They just simply weren't in a position to do so, uh, or that that's at least the stance that they were taking. So the fact that KJ has had some injury troubles uh, recently, I think, plays a big factor into that, where... When I'm looking at this, I believe that KJ and just knowing who he is behind the scenes and as he is as a player, if I'm going to take that bet on KJ right, I'm absolutely doing it because I know he's going to work his tail off to get himself right, to get himself back on the field and healthy. Uh, and so I'm excited for a motivated KJ Wright to come out this next season and prove that he is every bit of the player that he's been, an all-pro level player uh, next to Bobby Wagner that's going to help this defensive unit uh, continue to rise and be that stabilizing force with all the young talent around them. And I think the question surrounding KJ last year was, can he get back to the level that he once was when he was out for so long a year ago and then also had treatment on his knee in 2017? Well, if you look at the tape of that wildcard game against the Cowboys, it did not look like someone who had missed three quarters of the season not at all it looked like somebody who was a pro bowl level player was somebody that uh is playing at a near all pro level he was a wrecking ball that entire game had that crazy interception uh against Dak Prescott down near the goal line yep uh everything that he touched that night uh, was you know a play that he wasn't even responsible for in coverage by the way just being a really smart football player watching on the sidelines studying tape that all that happened versus them versus Arizona and that's what all pro players do you can fool me once you're not going to fool me twice even if it isn't my responsibility that's the type of stuff that KJ Wright can do and not many guys in this league can and so the fact that you have signed Michael Kendricks and KJ Wright along with Bobby Wagner is extremely exciting and if those three guys are able to play together stay healthy through the season you easily have one of the elite linebacking cores in the National Football League and maybe even the best, which is exciting. Now, you've spent a lot of time in that Seahawks locker room during your playing days. What does K.J. Wright mean to that locker room? What does he mean to the the entire 53-man roster? Uh, I think when you look at K.J., K.J.'s a guy that shows up every single day. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. He's not a guy that complains that... that uh, it, you know, you're going to hear talking off to the side, bad-mouthing another teammate or coaches or anything like that. He's a guy that actually stops those kinds of conversations. Um, and he's a guy that just continues to show up day in and day out and go to work and give his best effort. Um, and it's pretty incredible when you watch a guy like KJ, a guy like Bobby, those guys that, that the Seahawks have decided to stick around that are worth having in their locker room. Those are the types of guys the role models that you want these younger players coming into the league and watching them to see how it's how it's done, how to be a pro, and that's exactly who K.J. Wright is. So I'm excited for what he brings on the field, and I'm just as excited for what he means off the field in the locker room, helping the younger guys learn the game, and also raising the level of expectations uh, for everybody uh, on and off the field. And we've seen over the last couple of seasons – a lot of those familiar faces in the defense get shuttled on out, whether it be via trade or release or whatever. 
having a veteran presence like KJ, who, by the way, is now the longest tenured Seahawk. He's been there longer than anybody with Earl Thomas now on his way to Baltimore. Yeah. No one in the building has been there longer than KJ Wright. I mean, having that kind of experience in your locker room, having that kind of uh, player around four guys on that defense who may not have the, the resume that he does, guys like Trey Flowers, uh, Shaquem Griffin, uh, other guys on the defensive line, Jacob Martin, yeah, uh, Jaron Reed. Well, I mean, Jaron Reed's kind of a leader in his own right, but to have somebody who's been there and has seen it all in the NFL and who has been to the mountaintop, who has won a Super Bowl, and has also been at, at you know a very low point losing a Super Bowl. Yep. Um, you know, having somebody that can have that that width of experience in their in their back pocket to share with other guys and to show them this is how it gets done every single day in this facility. And if you want to have success here, just follow my lead. If you want to have uh, a lasting career in the NFL, yeah, do as I do. That's something that KJ Wright has has. For at least from a, a fan perspective and from an outsider perspective, yeah. uh, in his career, he's somebody that hasn't been, you know, a vocal like in your face kind of presence. Nope. But he's been a steadying presence. He's been a calming presence on that defense in in times where they've desperately needed it. With a lot of the personalities that they've had around that building, yeah, what he gives to that organization is something that, that can't be measured Absolutely. on the back of a football card. Well, it's irreplaceable is what it is, and that's why losing K.J. Wright or the prospect of losing K.J. Wright this offseason was one, was one tough pill to swallow. And, and so everybody was kind of expecting it because you just figured K.J.'s market value was going to be a lot higher. Um, but from a schematic perspective, Curtis, uh, when K.J. was out, the only guy that was able to, to to do a good job filling in for him was Michael Kendricks. But Kendricks was only uh, on the roster or playing in those games a limited amount of times. And so you saw what it looked like without K.J. out there with Austin Calitro and Shaquem Griffin. Um, it just simply wasn't close to the same level of play. Uh, and K.J. is a sure tackler uh, in his career uh, before last year. I mean, he was on an incredible streak of uh, I think it was three or four years of over a hundred tackles, uh, and and also the uh, the ability to go out and cover uh, cover uh, running backs and cover safe or cover tight ends, uh, he brought a unique dynamic to this team, and so I believe that he's going to still be able to bring those traits, uh, and that, and that's why I'm excited about this move, or and and being able to keep him around is like you said that stabilizing presence. That, that example, that role model off the field, but also on the field, this man is a beast. And it's it's going to be fun watching all these guys, Bobby, uh, KJ, and Kendricks play together. Well, how about we get him in here? Let's do it, man. All right, KJ Wright, Seahawks linebacker. He joins us next, Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jay Keeps, right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up in 15 minutes, it's time for Four Down Territory. That's when Jake Heaps answers the four most pressing football questions of the day. That's coming up in 15 minutes. You can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura Dealers 
Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps here with you on this Thursday night. And Jake, I don't know about you, but I don't know if there's anybody out there having a better Thursday than our next guest. Joining us on the Venue Kings hotline, he is Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright, fresh off signing that new two-year contract. KJ, how you doing tonight, man? What's up, fellas? Doing great. Doing great. Thank y'all for having me. Good, man. KJ, it's great to have you on. Uh, hey, let's just get right into it, man. Uh, with the end of last season, it felt like, you know, watching the interviews after that Dallas Cowboys game, just seeing the emotion that you had, it was almost kind of like this, this, uh, this moment where you're kind of realizing that there's a potential, right? Mm-hmm. There's a potential that right. you might not be in a Seahawks uniform. Uh, what did that feel like to you, the likelihood that you could be coming back into the Seahawks after going into free agency? Well, um, yeah, you know, I've been around a while, and I've seen some things, and everything kind of has a look. You can kind of tell, you know, who's going to be there, who's not, you know, what direction the team's going to go in, and um, you kind of get a feel for things. And uh, to be honest, I did. I wasn't too optimistic about me returning because, um, you know, I was injured, and um, they let me get to free agency, and um, so I wasn't too hopeful. But um, thankfully that, you know, the Seahawks trusted me and wanted me a part of their organization, part of their team. And uh, they found something to, you know, make, make me happy. And I'm glad that I'm staying. KJ, with how free agency played out, uh, what made the Seahawks offer to you stand out the most? What's the question again? With how free agency played out uh, for you, what made the Seahawks offer stand out to you? Um, it's just, they just showed me that they wanted me here. I believe that, you know, if they wanted me to be a part of their team, then they'll find a way to make it happen. And, um, you know, free this is my first time ever going through it. And so in, in eight years, and so it was quite the experience. It's quite stressful at times, but, um, that is whether the storm stayed positive, you know, kept the faith and, um, it, it got done. Yeah, KJ, in eight years, just watching you and how you've handled your business, man, just being able to see you up close, uh, being a teammate, watching you from afar, it's been awesome watching how you've gone about your business. Now, not comparing you to anybody else or any of your other teammates, but why has it been important to you to handle your, your contract situation maybe different than others in terms of you didn't miss OTAs, you didn't miss training camp, you weren't extremely vocal about you know, show me the money, give me a new deal, that type of thing. What is it about you or your approach that you felt that this was the better yeah. route? Yeah, I've just always been a believer in um, control what you can control. I've never been, me personally, a fan of forcing someone to do something that they don't want to do. It's, it's, it's your team, your, whatever direction you want to take it, you could take it. One thing that I can do is prepare myself for the season, prepare this team to be successful, Make sure that I know my playbook and I'm and I'm ready to go. You know, the time the season comes. So everyone has their own way. That was my route, and um, I could do it all over again. Even if I did, even if I did get hurt, I'll probably do it the same way. Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright joining us on the Venue Kings Hotline. And KJ, you talked a little bit about how you weren't too, I guess, hopeful that the Seahawks were going to bring you back. We've seen the Seahawks move on from a number of veteran players over the last few seasons. Did that concern you at all heading into free agency? Uh, yeah. It's, um, a lot of things have happened in the, in the recent years where a lot of good guys have left the building, whether it's you know, to trade, to retirement, or, or releasing. And so you see that stuff and you just, you just observe it. But um, I guess that my play and the way that I am off the field 
took into account in that decision making. They know that um, I'm well loved in the community and inside the building, you know, through my teammates. And it's just a great asset and investment, you know, in bringing me back. Uh, KJ, speaking of, you know, some of those guys that left, the most recent uh, member, uh, big time member of that Seahawks defense was Earl Thomas. What what are some of the things that you're going to miss in that locker room about Earl and not having him around? And how weird is it going to be not playing with him? Yeah, well, Earl is a legend, man. This dude is one of a kind, and not too many people can do what he does. And I was happy to see him get a contract. He gave me a phone call earlier, uh, congratulating me on my deal. And, um, yeah, he's just going to go down in history as one of the best to do it. And I'm just happy that he's in a place where, you know, he's loved and, um, you know, they gave him a good deal that he wanted. And so it's um, it sucks to move on. And, you know, like, like always, the relationship stays the same. Whenever I see him, it'll be all love. Right. Now, KJ, you do know now that since Earl's gone, that makes you the longest tenured Seahawk on the roster. How does that make you feel? Does that, does that make you a little? Does that make you feel old, bro? Like, how do you, how do you feel about it that? Makes it, <laughs> make me feel seasoned. I'm, I'm a, a seasoned vet, <laughs> not old. But dang, I didn't I did not know that. Yep, so, you're, you're the you're the last man yeah. standing right now. Hey, let's, let's get it, man. I got two more years to go, and uh, <laughs> got to uh, finish out this contract. And um, yeah, that's, that's truly a blessing, man, to be able to withstand the test of time because, um, yeah, man, you know, the average NFL career is three years, and um, just to make it at this point is just a blessing. Each year that I get on top of this is just is just gravy, and it's a bonus. And so I just want to continue, man. I still love it, and um, it's been it's been a fun journey. KJ, heading into the 2019 season. Uh, we've seen the Seahawks make a bunch of roster moves within the last 24 hours, yourself included. What have you seen uh, for the Seahawks' plan in the 2019 that makes you the most optimistic? Well, uh, it's still early. It's just, it's just free agency. We have a long way to go. We have the draft. We have OTAs. And I believe that they continue to build this team together. Pete and John always does a good job. They always do, do a good job in putting this team in a position to compete and um, to win on Sundays. And so it's still early. I know that once they put it all together and we start, you know, developing the young guys that come in, it'll be the same results. We plan on winning the West as always and um, getting to the playoffs and taking off from there. Uh, KJ, let me let me ask you something a little little off topic, a little off Seahawk question. Uh, you know, you're a family man. You're a guy that's rooted in this community uh, in a big way, uh, community service and all of that. Um, but I know your son is your pride and joy, man. What uh, What's going on with him these days? What is he most into? Is it superheroes, Legos? What, what's going on <laughs> Cam, in, in his world? <laughs> Cam, is uh, he's in a monster truck right now. You know the big Tonka trucks? Oh, yeah. He's just colliding them and just making all kind of noise around the house. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fun, man. That, that's my guy. And uh, our oldest, she's in uh, volleyball right now. She's just killing it. And so the kids are doing great. And uh, yeah, love my family. I'm glad I can keep my family here, all in all in Seattle. Don't have to switch schools, buy a new daycare, and so it all works itself out. Yeah, K- yeah. K- KJ, have you had an opportunity to take your son to a monster truck show yet? Man, it wasn't. It was just out here, wasn't it? Yeah, I was at the uh, Tacoma Dome a few weeks back. It, right. I, I missed it, but my dad took me when I was a kid, and it's, it, I'm I'm going to take him <laughs> within uh, the next few years. So. Yeah, it's only mandatory because I love that stuff as a kid. Now, KJ, let me ask you this because I'm sure the the people are dying to know. How do you feel, man? How are you physically? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling right? Are you still trying to rehab? What what's what's going on with you 
going into this I'm next year? Good. I'm feeling good, man. I'm uh, working out at my normal spot for sports performance here in Bellevue. And um, I'm ready to roll, man. Just just taking it nice and easy. It's just March. Right. So I'm not just crushing it. But um, <laughs> you're just tuning just some stuff up, making sure you, your hips are open. Yeah, keeping the um, keeping everything firing, so I'm good. Yeah, I I know I know your workout plan. I know your off season regimen. I was with you doing all that stuff for you know yeah. three years, man, and you kicked my butt every time I was there. And I appreciate <laughs> you, man. You you made me a better player. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No doubt. Thank you as well. KJ Wright, Seahawks linebacker on the Venue Kings hotline here for just a couple more moments. And, and KJ, throughout the free agency process, how important was it to you to try and stay in Seattle? Oh, I for sure wanted to stay. Um, I never wanted. I never wanted to leave. And um, this is this is home. It's pretty much home. It feels good. And um, yeah, man, it was just. It was never a question to me that I wanted to leave. I just wanted to, you know, just stay here and be respected. And that was my biggest thing. Just give me a respectable offer to where I'm happy because I bring a lot to the team. And so to stay in this city is important to me. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. We're we're, we're glad to have you back now, KJ. There's something that I've always wanted to know, um, Kenya, right? Uh, you have yeah, taken yeah. upon yourself this this major opportunity to give great service and and donate water to Kenya. Where did that start? How did that get started? Who brought that to you, or was it something that you kind of researched on your own? Well, yeah, it was just uh, it was a vacation. The homies and I we just we just decided to go to uh, Africa. Malcolm, Mike, Mo, Byron Maxwell, our friend Ali. We just wanted to have some fun. And I just I had no clue that they had a water issue until I just noticed someone with some dirty water. I just began to ask the people in the community, what's the situation here? And I realized that the young girls are responsible for walking miles every day, and they have to just haul it. They have to haul it to bring back to, you know, wash clothes with, to cook with, and, and, and all that stuff. And so it just touched me from my heart that I just wanted to get back to this community because I had a good time out there. And so I'm going to get two wells built out there just to uh, just help these people out, and I can't wait to go back. I'm going back in June. That's awesome, man. Yeah, KJ, I mean, yes, yeah, all the work you do in, in the community, I, I, I can speak for uh, Seattle residents everywhere and say it's it's great to have you here. By the way, uh, before we let you go, a text from the 253 coming in uh, says that there are, in fact, monster trucks at your weekend office, CenturyLink Field, this weekend. So this there weekend. is an opportunity <laughs> I'm there. I'm going. All look, right. Look me with some tickets or something. Look me up with tickets. <laughs> All right. Hey, the people, hook up KJ with some tickets, man. Come on, let's get this. Let's get this going. Yeah, I feel like you kind of, you kind of, you've got the got ability to to move mountains there at CenturyLink Field. I, I think they could do. I got you. a little pool there. I think so. <laughs> a little bit. I think so. KJ, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Congratulations on the new contract, and uh, can't wait to see you out there at training camp. Yes, sir. Enjoy it, fellas. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, KJ. Thank you. That is KJ Wright, Seahawks linebacker. When we get back here on Seattle Sports Night, it is time for some four-down territory. Seahawks backup quarterback situation. Blake Bortles. Could mm. that be a possibility? Okay. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Eaps right here on Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is four-down territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got dig deep, deep, deep. Four Down Territory here on Seattle Sports Tonight. You missed our interview with KJ, right? You can check the podcast page, 710sports.com is where you want to go. Scroll down, click on Seattle Sports Tonight. You can also subscribe on iTunes and on Google Play, wherever you download 
your podcast. Jake, it's four down territory. We're nearing the end of the first half. Let's put seven on the board. How about it? Let's do it. Number one. All right, first down to you, Jake. You being the quarterback that you are, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've got a, a vested interest in the Seahawks quarterback position. Right now it's Paxton Lynch behind Russell Wilson. Blake Bortles now available via free agency as he was cut by the Jaguars. He's only 26 years old, which is wild to think about because when I have Blake Bortles in my mind, yeah. I envision, envision him as like 35 years old. Well, he, his hairline has definitely receded. Yeah. You know, being a franchise quarterback has definitely worn on Blake Bortles, and I can understand why. He hasn't had the easiest road uh, in his career. But I think Blake Bortles is an interesting option for the backup spot. I mean, it's not like you're asking him to come in and be a Nick Foles type of player, but he's played in the National Football League. He started games. He could maybe win you one game, especially with his legs. Um, Other guys that come to mind, though, that are on the market is Geno Smith. Geno Smith was another guy that they had worked out last year uh, and he had just signed, and he signed with the Chargers instead of the Seahawks. So that's another name to look out for. Uh, one other name, one other wild card name in the free agent market is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a little Fitz magic at the backup quarterback position in Seattle. However, Fitz magic does come at a price. Mm, interceptions. No, no. The rumor on the street is is that we would have to track this, but there's a little bit of curse with Fitz magic. Uh oh. Every backup, every backup position that he has taken, the starter has either underperformed or gotten injured. Uh, you don't so want that. For that reason, I may not want Fitz as my backup quarterback. But man, is he an unbelievable guy! I, he was the quarterback with the New York Jets when I was a rookie. Love Fitz to death. Was an incredible guy. And it, just talking about a veteran presence that could win you games, he would be that kind of guy that could come in and do it. But ultimately, I believe that the Seahawks are going to go young and try and find a guy that they can develop, uh, you know, for the future. So that's my two cents on it. But if you're looking at those three guys, I think those are legitimate free agent candidates that they could bring in. Number two. Second down. College football. ESPN releasing their way too early top 25 for the upcoming season. They also listed the most dynamic playmaker for each top 25 team, the Huskies and Cougs, in that top 25. The Huskies have Savon Ahmed listed as theirs. Washington State, Max Borgi. Yeah, baby. Did they get that right? (laughs) Uh, Surprisingly, I believe they did get it right. I think Savon Ahmed is obviously extremely explosive. He is a fun player to watch. He's extremely electric. And what I'm going to be interested to see is how is he as the featured back or is he the featured back? Is it going to be running back by committee or does he solidify and win that job outright? Uh, And if he does, he's going to be a fun player to watch going into this next season. Now for Max Borgie, I don't know if it's because he's white. He's a white running back. Or a running back in the air raid system. That's right. It's one of the two. I can't pinpoint which which reason it's shocking that Max Borgie would be on here. But when you watch him, when you put on the tape, uh, he was dynamic run after the catch. And he was a tough guy to bring down. So uh, in that system where they're creating a lot of space and Gardner Minshew was able to hit the checkdowns to Borgie quite often, he made the most of his opportunities. And so he will be another guy that's going to have a great year going into year two under Mike Leach's air raid system. Yeah, Borgie finished his freshman season with 12 touchdowns. That's a lot for any 
kind of level. Absolutely. As a true freshman, uh, the Cougs with a very nice find in their 2018 recruiting class. Number three. Third down, Jake. Third and short, I'm calling it. I'm not calling it third and long. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's four down territory. The Seahawks could save $4 million in cap money by cutting Barkevious Mingo. They've added or they've re-signed Michael Kendricks and K.J. Wright. If they cut Barkevious Mingo, they save $4 million in cap money. So what are the chances he's on the roster in 2019? I think this is all predicated off of who they bring on as an edge rusher, right? I think a name that's floating around is Bruce Irvin. And if Bruce Irvin comes back, then I think the chances are very slim that uh, Barkevious Mingo stays on the roster. But as of right now, I don't think Michael Kendricks and K.J. Wright play a factor in Mingo's roster spot. Uh, it will come down to what they do in the draft, and are they going to find that value in free agency? The one thing that you have to remember with Barkevious Mingo is that maybe he wasn't the game wrecker at Sam Linebacker, but he was pretty solid, and also where his value was in special teams. So that's where he makes his hay, and we'll see if they're they're finding a better replacement like a Bruce Irvin type of player. Number four. Fourth down. Got to put seven on the board here. One last opportunity to do so. I don't have any doubt, Curtis. Well, here we go. Seahawks linebacking core, as we just mentioned, pretty stacked now with Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Michael Kendricks all in the fold. Kendricks' legal status still up in the air. We'll find out more about that next month at his sentencing. But if it all works out in his favor, do you see those three guys playing together at the same time? And if so... How often? Absolutely. I, I This is absolutely going to happen. You're going to see Bobby, KJ, and Kendricks playing together at the same time. Now, how often they do it will remain to be seen, but they will play often uh, together. And it, it all comes down to, again, who are they able to find as that, that next edge rusher? Uh, but, I again, Danny O'Neill and I got into an interesting argument in the sports pit talking about, okay, if one of those guys, meaning K.J. Wright or Michael Kendricks, is going to play the Sam linebacker position, which guy is it? Now, Danny thought it could be K.J. because of his length, uh, and and I thought that it could be Kendricks because Kendricks is the better blitzer out of the two uh, and and getting to the passer. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they rotate that around, who they put in those spots, uh, but I... It's going to be fun to watch those three guys on the field at the same time causing a lot of havoc. All of a sudden, I mean, the Seahawks linebacking core, uh, there were a lot of question marks last year uh, when K.J. was down, when Michael Kendricks was in and out of the lineup, when he got suspended and then out. But now you've got all three with Wagner, K.J., and Michael Kendricks. Uh, It's a very enviable position to be in. That is another addition of four-down territory. We we definitely punched it in before the end of the half there. Uh, Quickly, though, before we get to break, uh, talked about the Huskies and Cougs and and Savon Ahmed and Max Borgie being those most dynamic players. For the Huskies beyond Ahmed, who do you expect to step up? Hunter Bryant. Okay. He's healthy. Just right off the top. We don't even need to finish that sentence. Hunter Bryant is a difference maker, a big-time difference maker, and and uh, he's a guy that once he steps on the field, it changes the dynamic of this offense. So uh, you saw that in the WSU game. You saw that in the Rose Bowl when they finally started targeting him, 
And I would anticipate that if, let's say, a Jacob Eason was to be the starting quarterback, that Hunter Bryan is going to get a ton of targets. Just watching the tape of Eason and what he likes, uh, he loves those tight ends, and that's only going to benefit a freak of, freak of a talent in Hunter Bryan. That is four-down territory right here on Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, the Huskies, have they done enough to make the NCAA tournament? They're they're leaking oil coming around third base. We'll talk that coming up around 8.15 and then in big if true. Seahawks offensive line shaking out into order, but could there be some reshuffling along that offensive line? That's coming up at 8.30, but at 8 o'clock in about five minutes or so when we return. What has been the best move made by the Seahawks so far this offseason? We want to hear from you. Coors Light text line is there for you, 710-710. Which has been the best move the Seahawks have made so far in free agency? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.